Hey, open your Bibles. Are you ready? Open your Bibles. One more time, if you're watching with us live online, we're so glad that you're here. And if you're catching up with us later, which we know many of you do, we're thrilled that you're here. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Not bad, not bad. And guess what? We are in Acts chapter 3 today. I know. It's amazing. Our, our kids started Acts before us, and they're all ready to like chapter 21. <laughs> Uh, my friend said to me a couple of weeks ago, are you still in two? I said, well, well, yeah, there's a lot in there. But today we are not. We are going to start Acts chapter 3 today. But let me just remind us where we've been. We have seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yes. We have heard the gospel proclaimed, the apostolic gospel proclaimed with powerful response. Now, you know, the quieter you are, the longer I talk. <laughs> we have heard the apostolic gospel proclaimed with powerful response. We have, that just means I know that you're with me, okay? We have heard, a couple of weeks ago, we heard Luke's description of the apostolic church, of, of their culture and their conduct. Now, what we'll see in chapters 3 and 4 and 5, Luke will give examples of the life and the work of the church. These examples, not only do they describe, they prescribe. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Did you say that out loud? So as we're reading through the book of Acts, there's a whole bunch of good doctrine and everything else, but what we must do is not settle for walking through a, a museum be, and standing behind red-roped cords merely observing masterpieces. This is not for our observation. This is for our transformation. This is say, Lord, even if I've heard this a bunch of times, even if I've sang this song or I've led children through these songs, Lord, let these truths pierce me fresh today. <sighs> and today what we'll hear is this. What I hope that we will hear by the help of the Holy Spirit is this. What we have, we must give. Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, we'll go through verse 10. Are you ready? We're reading from the New American Standard. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began, to, he began asking to receive a charitable gift. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, Look at us. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but... <laughs> but 
what I do have. Yay! This is why I have a stool today. Ah, but what I do have, I give to you. In the... Wow, man, Mufasa. Ready? In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk! Oh, if you don't have a shout, ask your neighbor for one. <laughs> and grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones were strengthened. And leaping up, he stood up and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and... Yeah, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the very one who used to be. And that guy's a has-been. They recognized him as the one who used to sit the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts. I mean, the, N the NASB is really pushing it. Just say alms for crying out loud. <laughs> charitable gifts, as if we didn't know what alms were, okay? Uh, and then they were, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Ooh. What we have, we must give. Somebody say it with me. What we have, we must give. Let's walk through this couple of verses at a time. Let's talk about the hour of prayer. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. There was more than one hour of prayer, but let's just stop and recognize that once again, Luke is reminding us that the early church were prayers. They were prayers before Pentecost. They were prayers during Pentecost. They kept praying after Pentecost. And then they kept going to church and praying. They still went to prayer meeting. And you know what? It wasn't, this is the, the, the hour of prayer. It was actually, <laughs> it wasn't the first hour. It wasn't even the last. It was one of the hours of prayer. Not, that's not like one hour a month. Hey, Evangelical North American Church, that's not one hour a month prayer meeting. That's several hours a day. <laughs> anyway, it was a 3 p.m. prayer service, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, what else are you going to do? You're sleepy anyway. Go to prayer meeting. And... Uh, and uh, it, was the, it was the time of the evening sacrifice. There was a whole bunch of people coming into the temple at the time. Really, really, really crowded time. So it was great. Then at verse 2, there was a man unable to walk since birth. He was laid, and he was laid uh, at this, at, in the temple at this specific gate in order to uh, ask for alms. Now, what we see here is that he had a congenital disability. What does that mean? He was born that way. I put the notes right there. Everybody say it with me. He was born that way. But apparently, that does not mean that it's heaven's design for him to stay that way. Now, this gate, not everybody's in total agreement about the gate, about where it is. It was, it was basically, some say it was over here, and some say it was over here. Luke doesn't tell us. He just tells us it was a good-looking gate. Beautiful. It was huge. Anyway. <laughs> but there are some that say, and I think it makes, and whether or not it's true, it makes for really good preaching, that 
because of his disability, depending on this gate, if it were the gate that separated one court from the court of the Israelites, then it's probable that this man was, had never been beyond this gate. Because of his disability, there would have been a degree of uncleanness that would have prevented him probably from coming any nearer. But when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began to ask him. He saw. I want us to pay attention as we're going to go through the book of Acts and listen to how Luke talks about sight. The language of sight is almost always connected to seeing opportunity or need. Faith always has a focus. Yes. We'll see that. Peter said to John, Peter, along with John, here it is, looked at him intently. Your Bible might say fixed their gaze. They're, they looked at him intently and said, look at us. Two things there to see. First of all, they looked at him intently. What does that mean to look intently? They looked with an intent. They looked with compassion. They looked at him with hope. In a world where everyone else was looking at him with shame or disgust or preferred not to look at all, they saw this man and looked at him with hope in their eyes. They looked at him with eyes that were heated with holy affection. They looked at him with eyes that were enlightened by the gift of the Spirit. They looked at him and said, I see you in the future, and you look much better than you look right now. Yeah! Back to the stool. <laughs> and they stopped. Yes, it is. I mean, they need to belt up. And they stopped and looked. The culture where most people would have overlooked, they stopped and looked intently. They didn't just notice him. They looked intently at him. We will not confront the suffering that we overlook. Faith does not look away. It looks intently. It, it looks with an agenda to heal and to bring hope and to restore. Whew. Faith has a focus. Somebody say that out loud with me. Faith has a focus. Focus generates expectation. Focus concentrates our compassion. Focus, focus makes us fully present with the Holy Spirit in the now. Looking at him intently, they said, look at us. Somebody help me say that out loud. Look at us. They drew his attention. They stirred his expectation. Look at us. They spoke like those who believed they carried hope. Our world is sick. And we have to be willing and able to say to the suffering, to the broken, to the confused, to the oppressed, look at us. I know there's a lot of bumper sticker theology that all of you say, well, no, no, hey, don't look at me. Hey, don't look at me. Listen, we'll get to that. That's next chapter. Peter will say, when it comes to taking credit for it, Peter says, don't look at us. 
But when it comes to being the solution for it, Peter says, look at us. We can say, look at us, if we believe that what we have, we must give. So the man gives him his attention, expecting to receive from them. I like that. Here is the, the combustible equation of faith where confidence meets expectation. Confidence in what we have to give that inspires someone else's expectation, their joyful, hopeful anticipation. There is the combustion of faith. And Peter said, verse 6, Whoo, I do not have silver or gold, but... What I do have. Now, I've, again, I, don't, I did not diagram this sentence in, in the Greek. Uh, I didn't, didn't, didn't diagram it out. But I, I would imagine that the New American Standard, as they're faithful to trying to be um, as literal as they can, I, I would imagine that that conjunction is there on purpose. And in the English language, if you're a grammar nerd, when you read a sentence in English and you come along to the word comma, but, what does that mean? That means everything that came before the but is irrelevant. So everything they didn't have was irrelevant. Everything that you are not is irrelevant. Everything you cannot do is irrelevant. You are not defined by what you do not have. You are not defined by what you cannot do. You are not defined by what, what limitations you believe are yours. You are not defined by what someone said about you. You are not defined by the rejection you experienced. You are not defined by your pain or your scars or, or your resentments or your regrets. You are not defined by those things. Silver and gold, all of that is but doesn't matter. All of that is but. It's the woman you gave me. I do not have. Too many times people stop at what they don't have. Develops an awareness of lack. All they're aware of is lack. And when we're aware of lack, we are limited by, and we walk in fear, we walk in caution, we walk in restraint, and more often we walk with excuses. When we are aware of nothing, we give nothing. But not having money for whatever reason, that wasn't even the point. Some people might want to make a big deal about it. It wasn't even the point. The point is, what I do have. That's right. Ooh, I, just, I, w- I just like to imagine that Peter had such a rascally happy face when he said that part. Listen, I, I, don't, got any, I don't got any coin, bro, but what I do have. <laughs> the point is that Peter knew what he did have. And he knew it was his to give. What did Peter have? I'm so I'm shocked. For a church that doesn't know the meaning of rhetorical, you actually did it for once. You actually said, 
What did Peter have? Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. That was horrible. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit come down. Peter had received the gift, the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit had come upon him, and he had received the power to live and act like Jesus. (laughs) There is almost no more potent summary of Christian ministry than this phrase, what I do have, I give. I want you to, I'm going to ask you, I know some folks don't like to say things out loud. You don't have to, but if you want to, say it with me. Ready? What I do have, I give. If I can convince us, and not just me, but if the Holy Spirit will help us to feel this deeply in our spirit, irrespective of our socioeconomic status, our age, our background, our church experience, all of that is but. If I can get us to lean into this phrase, what I do have, I give. And not like, well, this is all I got, but oh boy, what I do have. You must know that you have this. You must know what you have. And you must know that what you have is yours to give. That you can and you should and must give it away. Because what you are aware of you will produce. What you have stored up, you will bring out. And what you have received freely, you give freely. The church must believe that she carries the hope and healing that the world needs. We must believe Too often, too often, believers, Christian leaders are, are told, uh, maybe the last 25 years I've heard this so much, are told that they must do more. They're not doing enough. And, if, and in order to solve the world's problems, you need to go out there and do more. People, pastors and leaders will come to whole Oregon now, go to these conferences and and, uh, and, and, and all that, and we, we're aware of the brokenness and they're tired and hurting and all they hear is, well, you should be doing more. And, and, it's, and what's, what's interesting is it's not working. Right. Right. It's not just telling people, telling people that there's more to do is doesn't, won't, won't, won't change anything. But what will transform people is if they become powerfully aware of what they have. When ministry becomes an overflow of what I'm aware of, no one has to convince or persuade. Peter wasn't under compulsion. He couldn't wait. When we, we, what you are profoundly, deeply aware of, you will powerfully, boldly share. Peter said, here it is, friends. Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter and John right there. James wasn't with him, but you know who should have... There was Peter, James, John, and Dab. And so you know, if I would have been there, I would have said... I, when he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I would have yelled... I would have started yelling, matchless, miraculous, majestic. I just like to put all those words in there. But here it is. Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is the first time that we see in real time 
the followers of Jesus using his name to authorize the application of his saving power. <sighs> this is it, the name. And this section, chapters 3 and 4, will really hover around the power and importance of his name. But it's important for us to remember that this is not a magic phrase. We'll see that it's not a magic phrase in Acts chapter 19, but we won't get there until after Sandy Claus. <laughs> but, so, this is not a magic phrase, but it is to, to say, when we speak and we act in Jesus' name, it is acting with faith in him and the authorization from him that brings the Holy Spirit's power to bear upon, even to prevail upon yeah. this. To speak and act in the name of Jesus is to believe that the Holy Spirit is upon you to give away the saving power of Jesus Christ. Ooh, let's hear that again. To speak and act in the name of Jesus is to believe that the Holy Spirit is upon you to give away the saving power of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, live. In the name of Jesus Christ, be free. In the name of Jesus Christ, be made whole. In the name of Jesus Christ, be loosed from infirmity and addiction and oppression. In the name of Jesus Christ, Peter said, walk. What's amazing about or intriguing or exciting about that single verb is the Greek nuance, of course. And it's, it, doesn't, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just mean go for a walk. <laughs> it means walk and never stop walking. Walk forever. Keep on walking. This is what Jesus does for us. Yeah. And then grasping him by the right hand. Grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. I want us to note this, my friends, that giving someone a hand up does not negate or take away from a miracle. Giving someone your hand does not mean we aren't still both relying passionately upon the power of the Holy Spirit. It means that we are working with the Holy Spirit to help people get whole. Take my hand. Let the virtue and the power of the Holy Spirit that I trust in now flow and work in your life too. Let's do this. And then note, Luke the physician says, immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened or made strong. Made strong. That's what Jesus does. He makes us strong. This is, what the, this is, 
This is the powerful effect of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. He makes us strong. He gives us strength to stand. He will strengthen your body. He will strengthen your soul. He will strengthen your spirit. He will strengthen your mind. And then leaping up. Somebody say leaping up. Leaping up. Then leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he went. Oh, train wreck. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Oh, very first song I ever remember learning. Little tiny Sunday school church at Salmon Creek Methodist. Hey, what were you doing at Salmon Creek Methodist? Long story. Long story, but uh, Billy Ritchie was there for a minute, and then he got the Holy Ghost, and then Methodist said, don't come here again. And so... So then they started Crossroads. Anyway, that's the history of Vancouver. All right. Um, but I was in this Sunday school room, and this little gal with curly blonde hair, she was singing, and she was also in the choir, because I remember. But she, we sang when they tossed this song, and I remember hearing her sing. And he went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. And I thought, that is the neatest song and neatest story I've ever heard in my whole life. That's all I want to live for captivated me from when I was a child. Walking and leaping. Of course he did. Of course he did. Some of you in this house, you all get your praise on pretty good. And I, it's good. But I, we, but we got, y'all got to brace yourself. Because as the Lord continues to just increase his manifest kindness and compassion, as more and more people begin to experience breakthrough and blessing, and powerful life change, there's going to be a whole lot more walking and leaping. (laughs) But here's what I also want us to see. That after he gets up walking and leaping and praising God, he says, he high fives Peter and John, gives them a fist bump, and says, See you, boys. I'm going to go tell everybody I'm heading down to Bob's, Bob's Burgers and Grill. Right? I'm going to pound down a few cold ones with my pals, and, 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 and I can't wait. Right? Not that there's anything wrong with burgers. <laughs> but as soon as he's made well, as soon as grace touches his life, what happens? He goes nearer. He draws nearer. This is how we respond to grace. We draw near. When we experience, the more grace we experience, the more we should draw near. And the other cool thing is he enters with them. I think, I think one version, if I read it right, indicates that he had not let go of Peter yet. <laughs> Why don't you get up? No. He's, this guy's now getting drugged. Peter's now direct, getting drugged around the temple. <sighs> he entered with them. This guy didn't let go of Peter. Let me tell you something. Don't let go. Don't let go of people who walk in the spirit. If someone has taken your hand and helped you find breakthrough, hang on. Draw near together. Conversion without community is not discipleship. No one follows Jesus alone. And no one continues to walk in freedom alone. Right. 
Almost done. Verse 9 and 10. And then all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as being the very one who, who is I used to be. Hey, that guy used to be. My God, I hope there's a whole lot more of those being saved. Who does, I, that guy, that gal used to be. Oh, what you used to be. And maybe not everybody knows what you used to be. But as long as Jesus knows. All the people saw him and walking and recognized him as the one who used to be. Friends, we must leave people better than we found them. In our wake must be better people. (laughs) Even if the world resents the claims of our faith, they must be confronted with the evidence of our faith. Healing has always been the sign of the kingdom. It's always been our great instrument of influence. Kind words, benevolent actions are a must. But the sick need a healer, not just a hug. Look at us. In the name of Jesus Christ, What we have, we will give. The people were filled with wonder and amazement. I like that part. You know we do. The people were filled with wonder and amazement. The church of Jesus Christ should be awe-inspiring both to behold and to belong. In other words, we should be and do awesome. And it will produce praise to his name. And next week we'll find out it may even cause a little trouble. But as we close this morning, would you just lean into these? Let me ask you a couple questions. First of all, let me tell you, friend, you are seen. You are seen. You are not just noticed. You are seen because we see you. And today we offer our hand to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're facing, you came to the right place at the right time. We see you. We want to extend our hand to you and say to you, let the power and virtue that same Holy Spirit flow into your life bring healing bring hope bring direction we want to pray for you this morning hey believer are you aware of what you have or are you distracted by what you don't I want to challenge you to move all of the distracted by what you don't or aren't. Just slide that over into the irrelevant pile. And be overwhelmed today. Oh, come on, can we stand together? Be overwhelmed today by the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
you're comfortable, whatever your way you're comfortable doing, if you want to lift your hands, I encourage you to try it. It's very Bible-y. Lift your hands and just say, Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me today. Fill me fresh. Fill my life. Fill me, fill me, fill me. Fill every part. Overwhelm me and fill my life, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And as he fills you today, will you give away what you have? And where will you give it? And to whom will you live? Faith has a focus. Be fully present. (laughs) Let's just welcome the Holy Spirit. Worship team, help us welcome the Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us today. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Baptize us freshly. Come upon us. Fall upon us. Fill us. Flow through us. Lord, increase our awareness. Increase our awareness of your presence in our lives. Renew our experience. There might be an increase in the expression of your spirit from us, Lord. sense of wonderful embrace of the Holy Spirit. Just let him embrace you afresh this morning. Sing that chorus again, Meg. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God. Oh, fall upon us, Oh, like a wave. prevail upon your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's pray together. 
And as we do, I encourage you again just to lift up your hearts and welcome the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Meg, lead us again, please. If you'd like to pray, let's pray. like to stay and pray, come on, let's pray together and wait upon the Lord, asking for a fresh touch in our lives.
take a 